Hey guys, my name is Pastor Ron. So glad that you tuned in to the podcast of Allentown Fellowship Church. Each week we're going to endeavor just to walk through the Bible book by book and then give you some truths that you can apply to your life. So welcome to the AFC podcast. Trust and pray that God's word today will be a blessing to you. Mark chapter 5. Remember Mark again as he is talking about the person of Jesus Christ is giving us really quick snapshots of what's going on. He's kind of giving a uh, condensed report, if you will, just the main highlights, the, the main points of what's happening in the life of Christ. And what is the question that Mark is putting before the readers? So remember, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? It's not only a question that the people are wrestling with during the time of Christ, but even today in 2020, people are still wrestling with that question. Who who do you think Jesus is? Remember, C.S. Lewis said that either he's a liar or he's a lunatic or he's Lord. But I'm paraphrasing. He goes on to say, Jesus leaves no room for ambiguity or just, well, I'm just not sure. No, Jesus does not leave room for that. When you look at the things that Jesus said, the things he did in his life, you have to come to a conclusion. This man was crazy or he's a bold-faced liar because he called himself God. Or was this the Lord? Was this the Son of Man? Was this God in the flesh? And We have seen up to this point, as Jesus is beginning to do these miracles, the crowds are gathering, right? The crowds are following him. The crowds are listening to what he has to say. No doubt many people are starting to believe in him. Many people are still not sure. They're questioning who he is. Even his family kind of thinks he's a little crazy. (laughs) Everybody is all over the map. And what they think about Jesus Christ. And we're going to see in the narrative here as we continue. Jesus again is going to demonstrate. That he has power over illness. He has power over death. Our previous narrative. He calmed the sea right. Remember uh, he also cast the demons out of the man that was possessed with the legion of demons. We see that Jesus has power over creation, over the demons, over physical illness, and now ultimately over death. Mark is painting this picture. This is who Jesus is. He's more than just a rabbi, more than just another teacher with another school of thought. He's God in the flesh. He is God who stepped into creation with a far greater purpose than just giving some good moral lessons to become the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. So we're going to pick up in Mark 5, verse 21. Let's pray. Father, we pray now as we look at this portion of Scripture, open up our eyes that we might understand. Help us to know you better as a result of what we read and study today. In Christ's name, amen. Starting at verse 21, 
And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd, there it is again, right? You keep hearing about these crowds, gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jarius, by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be well, so that she may be made well and live. Jarius, ruler of the synagogue, this would have been a man with great honor. This was not, not a rabbi, but he's a ruler of the synagogue. He's kind of like the administrator. He lined up the speakers. He, he made sure the scrolls were in their right place. He made sure that, you know, all the people who are supposed to be in here are in here, that the unclean Gentiles would not be coming in if they're not supposed you know, Like he's kind of like the administrator, if you will. But it's a place of honor. People would have respected him. Notice Mark gives us his name, Jarius. You say, well, what's the big deal there? We're going to see in a moment. And he has this knee. His little girl is at the point of death. Sick and about to die. Notice how he approaches Jesus. He doesn't walk up to Jesus and say, hi, I'm Jarius. You do understand who I am ruler of the synagogue. I need you to do something for me. He doesn't do that. Notice what verse 22 says. He fell at his feet and implored him earnestly. He's begging him, please come. Please come. Jarius, ruler of the synagogue, begging now, did he know that Jesus was the Son of God? I don't believe he did. But he knew enough about Jesus that this Jesus of Nazareth has the power to heal people. He knew that. He knew that this is the man that the fame is spreading all around town about. Perhaps he heard this story about other people that are not even recorded that Jesus would have delivered. Remember, all the works that Jesus did, all the healings that he did are not recorded. We're getting snapshots. Jesus probably healed a lot more people of illness and cast out a lot more demons than we have recorded. So no doubt, in light of the fame that we see growing in the crowds, no doubt, word got back to Jarius. Jarius knew this is the man. If I can just have you come, I know you can heal my daughter. He's desperate. He's desperate. But he had faith that Jesus could heal his little girl. Now watch what Mark does as we move on in this narrative. Because he's going to put this story right up against another encounter. But it's important that we don't look at these as two separate events. Okay, keep that in mind. All of what's going on in these verses is all happening at the same time. So Jarius, we just saw, made his claim or his request. Look at verse 24 now. And he went with them. That is Jesus 
is going with Jairus. Jesus is like, okay, let's go. Let's go. Your daughter is at the point of, she's not dead yet. She's at the point of death. Let's go. They begin to go. Remember, there's crowds all around. People heard Jairus make that request. What would have caught their attention? Because remember, he fell down at Jesus' feet. And Jesus is like, come on, let's go. He's on his way to heal Jairus' daughter. And look what happens. Look at verse 24. And he went with him, and a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. That word means pressed against him. Packed all around him. Try to picture this. Here's Jesus. Jairus is leading. And, and Jesus just can hardly walk because the people are just like, why? Jesus is going. He's going. He, he's going to, no, now Jairus, yeah, well, Jairus' daughter is sick. Yeah, and Jesus is going to his house. Oh, Got to see this. <laughs> Remember, the Bible said earlier in Mark that Jesus' fame spread. He's like a superstar now. He's like a rock star. And, and just imagine Jesus trying to work his way through the crowd and keeping his eye on Jairus, trying to go, and everybody's just thronging with him. Look what happens. 25. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better but rather grew worse. Now, Mark introduces this woman. You got the picture, right? Jesus following the ruler of the synagogue, crowds all over the place, and there's a woman in the crowd, and she spots Jesus. She has an issue of blood. She has an illness that the physicians cannot figure out what is wrong with her. She spent all her money trying to get healing, but her condition just got worse. Why is Mark putting this in the narrative? Why is this important? Let me ask you a question. What was a woman's name? Doesn't say. Exactly. Because that's the way the culture thought about women. Strike one. Strike two. It's a woman with this physical illness that made her impure. Strike two against this person. A nameless woman, because she's a woman, this is how the culture functions. She has an illness which made her unclean, unpure. She's in public, which is a no-no. She's not allowed. Not only is she in public, who's she around? It kind of like, we can all appreciate this. COVID, social distancing, not happening here. The crowds are packed around Christ. And this woman is right in the midst of this crowd. Levitical law said that is a no-no. Leviticus 15, if you get a chance, read it. She should be separate away from the crowd. Why? Because she's 
unpure. She's unclean. And anyone she touches, she makes unclean. Guys, catch what's going on here. Because Jesus has this way of going after unclean people. <laughs> She's desperate. Jesus following Jairus, man of honor, woman who's an outcast, following Jesus. He's going to help the man of honor, ruler of the synagogue. Everyone will look at him as being a man who's a religious guy, man that's clean. Jairus is his name. Here's some woman, unclean, unpure, reaching out to Jesus. You see the picture? You see what's going on? Now look what happens as it unfolds. Verse 27. She had heard their reports. There it is. Just like Jairus probably heard those reports about Jesus. And came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. No! What are you doing? Really? You are not to touch anybody. You are unclean. Look at the risk this woman took. Look at the risk that she took. She knows the law. This woman would not have been allowed to enter into the synagogue to worship because of her impurity. She's not allowed to be in the general population because of her impurity. And here she's violating all the rules. In the crowd, not only are you going after Jesus, if I could just touch his garment. Jarius requested him to come. Why can't she just say, Jesus, can you heal me? Because she knows she is not even supposed to be out in public. So what does she say? If I could just touch his garment, I know I'll be healed. That way I can just touch his garment. Nobody even knows. The crowd is so big they don't even realize I'm here. And I can slip away with my healing. Wow. Do you see what's going on in this narrative? Look what happens. 28. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. Same faith that Jarius had. Come, Jesus. My little girl is about to die, but I know if you come, what did Jarius say? If you just lay your hands on her, she may be made well and live. The woman is saying, if I could lay my hands on Christ, I could be made well. Do you see the faith of these two people? <laughs> they believed in what Jesus could do. Two economic backgrounds totally different. Two social standings in society that are totally different. Man of honor, woman of unclean. A man that we know by the name of Jarius, an unknown woman who nobody cares about. Yet they had the same faith in Jesus Christ. Same faith. Both desperate. Both desperate for deliverance. Look what happens. And immediately, verse 29, the flow of blood dried up. And she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. 
Now it gets interesting. Verse 30. And Jesus perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him immediately. Remember, Mark, Mark loves that word immediately, right? Immediately, 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 right? Immediately, he turned around, turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garment? Hundreds of people. He's making his way through the crowd. He was like, hold on, wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Jarius, hold on a minute. Who touched? And the disciples are gonna look at him and be like, Really, Lord? Uh I don't know. All of these hundreds of people around you maybe touched you? What was Jesus getting at? Jesus knew this wasn't somebody bumping into him. Someone was trusting in him, believing that he could divinely heal them, the woman. He knew that was the touch that someone laid on him. It's very interesting because you know what this also tells us? That Jesus was 100% man, 100% God. Here's a great example of it right here. Jesus wasn't playing games. He wasn't playing games in his humanity. He's asking Whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. Which, which one of you guys touched me? He said, wait a minute, I thought he was God in the flesh. Yes. Well, God in the flesh, wouldn't God know? Yeah, God, but this is his humanity speaking. <laughs> and this is a hard thing for us to get our heads around. How can he be God, 100% God, and 100% man at the same time? Right, it's a mystery. It's a reality. And yet he realizes Humanly, uh, who touched me? But divinely, something happened on the inside. <laughs> you see humanity and divinity working together here. Let's keep going. Look what happens. Look what happens. Who touched my garments? 31. And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, who touched me? Say, Come on, Lord. And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. You see this response again of fear? Jesus calms the waves and the wind. And remember, they were afraid. This, this idea that I'm in the presence of someone that's more than a man. So not only this fear because of the reverence of this is like I'm in the presence of somebody more than a man. And I don't think she quite totally understood this was God in the flesh. But, but, but I think there's some fear there in her that something supernatural I know happened to me. She felt it. She knew she'd been saved or rather from, from that illness because the blood stopped. She was like, touched him. Oh, my goodness, I'm healed. And it's almost like, like wow, it, it actually happened. So there was probably fear in there. Then he turns around. Who touched me? And it's like, um, because now she admits that she touched him. Remember? She's unclean. She's not supposed to be out. <laughs> Could somebody in the crowd look and say, whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. That's that woman with the issue of blood. What is she? Could, could that have happened? Yeah, that could have happened. But she would have been in big trouble. So... Her fear is probably because of some of this fear of the reaction of what the people are going to say. She's not supposed to be out there. But notice what she does. She turns around in fear and trembling 
Look what she did, what Jarius did. She falls down before him and she tells him the whole truth. Please catch Jesus' words, 34. And he said to her, daughter. You know, we, 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 we can read over that and just miss something. Jesus did not say woman. We already talked about how women were viewed in this culture. We already talked about she's unpure. She's unclean. She's an outcast, not only of the synagogue, but of society. Not only does Jesus heal her, but Jesus looks at her and says, daughter. A very, very affectionate term. Daughter. Not woman. Daughter. A term of endearment. Do you see the compassion of Jesus? Nobody wanted anything to do with this woman. And yet Jesus is engaging with her, not only by healing with her, healing her, but calling her daughter. <laughs> Can you imagine what's going on in her heart and mind? Like, this is, this is, this is Jesus, the star that I'm hearing about, that I know can heal. And he's calling me his daughter. <laughs> can you imagine the love that overflowed inside of her after all she's been dealing with because of her issue of blood and being an outcast? To have, for example, the most popular person right now stop and say daughter. It's kind of like sometimes you hear people, you know, they come into school sometimes and maybe they're on vacation. They talk about superstars that they see in the airport, right? And I, I forget the one guy that who said he saw somebody. It was one of these female Hollywood stars. I forget what show it was from. Uh, we, we were on a, a, a on a trip years ago with the seniors, and and and, and they were like, Pastor Ron, I saw, I can't remember who it was. And, and I'm sitting there in the airport. I'm like, well, who's that? She was the one that was on Friends, but then she was on this show, and then she went there, and she went there. I'm like, okay. She's like, I saw her. I'm like, okay. She's like, she was right in front of me when we were going through security. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and then I said, are you? And she turned and she looked at me and said, yes, hello. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so, like, what is it about that? This person is so excited because they saw a star, someone that they watch on the screen. They saw a movie star. And now they feel like, wow. I'm just like, okay. <laughs> if she's going to buy us lunch or something, I might get a little excited. Right? Can you imagine, though, the star, stardom around Jesus Christ, the depravity that this woman is dealing with, and he says, daughter. It's almost like that movie star looking at that student that was so excited and says, hey, why don't you and I catch a meal together? Like bringing himself down to the lowly, to the outcast to the marginalized, to the ones that nobody wants to have anything to do with. Jesus takes time with these types of people. He's trying to prove a point. I came to save that which was lost. I came for those who need 
a physician. Now there he's talking about a spiritual physician. But even though ultimately he's headed to a cross to lay down his life to deal with our spiritual condition, along the way you see him stopping to take care of physical conditions. That's the compassion of Jesus Christ. You, you understand what I'm saying? This woman is overwhelmed. Daughter 34, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Now, let me make this comment because it's very important. This is not a promise that God will heal every time we ask God to heal us. This is not the woman's faith in and of itself. That's not what this means. These faith healers on television send in $100 and we'll send you a vial of holy water or we'll send you a prayer cloth and just touch that cloth and God's anointing will come out of that cloth. That's baloney. That's baloney. This woman was healed not because she touched a garment. This woman was healed because of who was wearing the garment. There's a difference. And faith healers today exploiting passages like this for their own self-gain. This woman's faith was in a person, Jesus Christ. That's why she got healed. Her faith was in Jesus. And he granted her request. This is not a blanket statement that God will heal us every single time. This does not mean if you're struggling with illnesses or 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 or, or uh, bodily aches or whatever the case may be, and you're praying for God to heal, that God will always heal. There's sometimes God chooses not to. So when these people get on the air and say, you don't have enough faith, that's why you're not healed. They don't know scripture. Paul prayed three times that God would remove a thorn out of his flesh. And God said, no, my grace is sufficient. There are times where God allows you to still deal with the illness. But in this particular case, by God's grace, Christ grants the healing. He grants the healing. Now remember, this is happening while Jesus is on his way to Jairus' house. And look what happens. The crowd is watching all this. 35. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house someone who said, Jairus, your daughter is dead. Wow. Why trouble the teacher any further? Remember, he was headed there, got sidetracked by the woman. Now somebody works his way through the crowd, comes to Jarrett, 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 forget it, forget it, man. She's gone. She's gone. Wow. Can you imagine the emotion of Jarius? Can you imagine, like, maybe if, maybe if we wouldn't have stopped to deal with this woman, <laughs> maybe we would have made it on time. Lord, I, I don't know what Jarius is thinking. It doesn't say. But, but, but notice what Jesus says. They tell Jarius, um, Guess what? It's too late. Your daughter's dead. Why, why are you troubling the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, Jairus. Only believe. Wow. Don't worry about what the circumstances are right now. Don't worry about this report that your daughter's dead. Don't fear. Only believe. <laughs> Look what happens. 37. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, 
the brother of James. They come to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion. People weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, why are you making a commotion and weeping? Now, understand, in this culture, when somebody died, there were professional mourners. The law had stated that you got to have it at least, I believe, two people playing the flute and one person lamenting. <laughs> you imagine? Like, you got to have that. You're a Jewish person and somebody dies? The synagogue and the rabbi is going to make sure. Now, wait, make sure you get mourners. You got to have mourners. And even if you were poor, okay, well, the minimum is two flute players and one person crying. <laughs> what, what is that all about, right? I don't know if it was the Jewish people's way of saying that life is, is valuable and so we're going to make sure somebody's mourning. I don't know. But the point is, this is the ruler of the synagogue. How many mourners you think he has? He don't have one or two. He probably has half a dozen, a dozen. When Jesus walks up on this scene, this is the ruler because of his honor, his prestige. There is a commotion going on. Can you imagine people just crying and wailing and instruments playing? Culturally, that was that's what you do when somebody passes away. You know, I couldn't help when I was going through this. I thought about thought about my sister. I thought about my sister at her funeral. It's weird how your thoughts go different places. And the connection there was because of my brothers being police officers. When my sister passed away, many of the officers came to pay their respect. I don't know if you remember, William, but I think I counted 29 police cars at her funeral. Anyways, we were going by and I'm just counting one. Too. It's like, wow. When we went inside that funeral home, there was a sea of blue. Remember that? I'm like, wow. That's what's going on here. Because of who Jarius is, there's probably a, a, a host of people mourning on his behalf. And Jesus does something that is so countercultural. <laughs> 39. And when he entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. Now, now watch this. Verse 40. And they laughed at him. Who laughed at him? The people that were mourning. The professional mourners. So they went from, oh my goodness. What? <laughs> That's literally what happened. Remember, they're professional mourners. They're really not mourning. They're, they're faking it, if you will. They go from mourning to laughing at him. He says, the child is not dead, but he put them all outside. Get out, get out, get your instruments, get out, go, go. And he took the child's father and mother and those who were with him went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha kumi, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking for she was 12 years of age, and they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. Wow. That little phrase that Jesus said to this little girl, 
kind of like this. You can't really see it in the English, but it's kind of this idiom where the Jewish mother would walk in and say, sweetheart, time to wake up. That's, 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 that's what Jesus did there. Hello, little girl. It's time to wake up, honey. Come on, time to get up. The compassion. <laughs> Just like, daughter, your faith has made you healed. Little girl, time to wake up. Come on, time to get up, sweetie. Let's go. And she gets up. And then Jesus, can you just picture him? He rises her up. He looks at them. Give us something to eat, guys. And walks out. <laughs> What's going through their hearts and minds? What's going through Jairus' mind and heart? Yes, no doubt he's overwhelmed by the healing of his daughter. But I got to imagine that somewhere deep down inside, he's wondering, who is this Jesus? You do remember that Jarius requested Jesus to come and do what to his daughter? Raise her from the dead? No. My daughter is at the point of death. Come heal her. Jesus said, I'm going to do one better. I'm going to raise her from the dead. Wow. Kind of echoes what happened with Lazarus. Lazarus, your friend is dead. Jesus said, don't pack the bags. Let's wait three days. Lazarus, your friend is dead. No problem. He raises him. Guys, listen, what can we take away from this? One, you see the compassion of Jesus Christ. He is a man of compassion. Jesus Christ has no partiality when it comes to delivering people. He delivered this nameless woman of her illness, and he granted Jairus' request a man of honor. Think about that. No partiality. Jesus didn't pick and choose who he was going to minister to. We can't decide who we're going to proclaim Christ to. Maybe people that just look like us, people we get along with, people we have things in common with. No, we have to be willing to look at all people and their needs and their desperation and proclaim Christ to them. Jesus was a man of compassion. But I want you to also catch this. Notice that Mark is showing us, answering for us who this Jesus is. We're getting a little glimpse that this is the Son of Man, God in the flesh. These healings, this casting out the demons shows he has power over Satan, common the storm. He has power over creation because he created all things. He has power over illnesses, healing the woman. He has power ultimately over death. We're getting little glimpse. What's the big picture here, though? The big picture here, as I said earlier, he's on his way to a cross to bring ultimate spiritual healing, redemption to sinful man. On the way to the cross, you see these little glimpses of who he is. Ultimately, the importance is this, faith and who Jesus is the Son of God, the Lamb of God, 
that's come to take away the sin of the world. That's the greatest healing that he came for. And yet in the midst of going to that cross, you see him stopping and showing compassion to people along the way. The importance of faith. It's not about having faith in some object. It's about having faith in a person. And that person is Jesus Christ. So I pray that as you look at your own life, you begin to answer this question for yourself. Who do you say Jesus is? Do you realize, do you believe, do you have faith in the person of Christ? Not only has he come to deliver you from the power of sin and to give you a relationship with a holy God, but even now living in this life as you and I as believers are on our way into eternity, even now, day by day, he has the power to give us wisdom, to deliver, to be what we need him to be now, right? Sometimes Christians keep looking to the eternity and they forget we're in relationship with Jesus now. You can pray and ask Jesus now for wisdom. You can ask him now for physical healing. But understanding, I might not get physical healing. But he does promise he'll always give me wisdom. He does promise he'll always give me his strength and his grace to deal with anything I got to deal with now. But then pull the camera back and realize, but I got my greatest need already taken care of. My salvation. That's ultimately what he accomplished for me. And one day, all things will be made new. And we will be with him throughout eternity. This is who Jesus is. This is who he is. And I pray and trust that you know him. God, thank you for Jesus Christ. Thank you for stepping into creation and doing what we could not do for ourselves. And that is taking care of our sin. Our works do not impress you. We are by nature sinful. And God, it's only by having that sin wiped away on your terms can we know you. And those terms are faith in Jesus Christ and him alone because he was the Lamb of God. He was the perfect sacrifice. His blood for our redemption. Thank you, God, that I don't have to work for my salvation. God, I praise you for the cross. And even more so for the empty tomb. And I pray, God, for all of us as we contemplate who we say Jesus is, that you would open up our eyes to the reality that he was God in the flesh, redeeming the world to himself. May we trust him more. May we love him more in all that we do. And help us, God, in boldness to proclaim him more to a dying world. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks for tuning in to the AFC Podcast. I hope and pray today's word has challenged you to align your thinking with God's word. If you would like to come visit us for one of our services, we would love to have you. We are located at 457 West Allen Street in Allentown, Pennsylvania. We are in what is called the Daybreak Room, which is housed in the Dubs Community Center. 457 West Allen Street, Allentown, PA. Our services start at 1 p.m. So if you're looking for a church that sticks to the word of God, 
Come on out and join us. We love to see you. Till next time, God bless.